Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. What is Easter? In this series, we're exploring those who had encountered the risen Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, they tell us that a number of people encountered the risen Jesus. And of those number of people who encountered him, there are several who are recorded. Those encounters are recorded. They are documented in the Gospels. And so last week on Easter Sunday, we explore the encounter that Mary Magdalene had with Jesus at the tomb. Mary Magdalene, who began following Jesus years before his death and his resurrection. And how her encounter, we see our own encounter with Jesus as one who rescues, redeems, and restores. And this morning, we're going to take a look at two disciples who are walking along the road to Emmaus. Which, by the way, when you saw the video, that was a small editing part, or editing on my part, not to change that from last week's gospel, which is John 20. You can see from up here in the title slide, today's gospel, in case you want to look it up, you know, or follow along, is Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. And I explore this, we can explore these two guys walking along the, the road here on the way to Emmaus, and, and what they are dealing with, and what they are dealing with, what they're wrestling with is discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Ever encountered discouragement? You know, you, maybe you're saying, yeah, you know what, James, uh, I, I, I believe in Jesus. You know, I, I, I've been a Christian for, for quite a number of years now. Maybe, you know, even like, like Remy, you were baptized, you grew up in the church. But if I am honest, I'm struggling. I, I feel discouraged and overwhelmed and I, I lack a sense of joy or there's, there's apathy in my, in, my, in my life and yet I, I believe, but I struggle. And if we're honest, you know, we probably have all been in a spot like this before. And maybe that's where you are at right now. So the question is, and here's our question, is what do we do when we feel empty, dry, apathetic, joyless, hopeless, and maybe it's and or purposeless? Let's begin. We're going to our Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of this day. Lord, another windy day. As the wind blows everything around, Lord, we are thankful. For your love. We are thankful for these encounters that you had, Lord Jesus, with a number of people, and, and what we can learn from these encounters that they had, how they speak not only to them at that moment, but how they speak into our lives. And Lord, how this encounter on the road to Emmaus speaks to discouragement. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, you know, what's going on here? Well, we got these two guys. I say two guys, you know, because traditionally in the paintings we see, if you've ever seen a painting or artwork of, you know, the road to Emmaus, there's two disciples. Now, two disciples, they're not part of the inner disciple group, which was the 12. 
you know, which were later become the apostles, except for Judas, who, you know, was no longer with them. But Jesus had a greater number of people that were disciples. They were following him, like Mary Magdalene that we talked about last week. And so Cleopas and this other person were part of this bigger gathering of people who followed Jesus. They were disciples. They had seen him perform miraculous things, giving sight to the blind, restoring the hearing and the mute, bringing you know, people who were dead back to life. The lame could walk. You know, opening, you know, and, and feeding thousands and walking on water and calming the storms, all of those things they had seen him do. And how they had heard him teach profoundly about God's love, making God's love so very real. And yet, here they are walking discouraged. Now, what do we know about these disciples? One, we know they're part of the bigger crowd of disciples. We know one of them's name is what? Cleopas. And there's this other person. Now, some scholars suggest that perhaps, because there's another Cleopas mentioned in the Bible, and we're not going to go down this rabbit hole too long, but just for a moment, bear with me. The Cleopas, because there's another Cleopas who's mentioned, who's, who's married to a person named Mary. And Mary is the aunt of Jesus, his earthly aunt. And so this could be not two men walking down the road. It could be a husband and a wife walking down the road. I don't know. I can't tell you. It doesn't really change, you know, the predicament they're in. They are what? They are discouraged. And they are chatting. They're talking about everything that has happened. So they're walking on a road to Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. Emmaus, which is, is a Greek word for, for baths. So this is a place that evidently had a lot of baths. And they're on their way to Emmaus, and they're talking about everything that has unfolded. They, they, they are coming with this great big party. Have you ever been to a party before? Yes, I heard. <laughs> you know, I've never been to a party, you know, and the party they were coming from was the Passover celebration. It really is. It's a big, big party every year, and millions would come to Jerusalem to celebrate this big party. And, you know, sometimes something happens at a party that is, that is just like all the talk. You know, like you're at a party, and maybe something really good. You know, there's a great crowd, there's a party, and somebody gets down on their knees and presents someone they love with a ring and says, will you marry me? You know, or it's a party and all the talk is how, you know, somebody stumbled down the stairs because they had one too many of something and thankfully they didn't get hurt. But boy, it was kind of funny and everyone laughs about it, talks about it. And of course, what they're talking about is what happened. This big party, this big celebration, it was so exciting. Jesus came into Jerusalem, but, but he died on the cross. And so they're talking about this. They're back and forth talking about it. And then, and then walks alongside of them, Jesus. Let's read this portion of Luke's gospel here from verses 15 and 16. While they were talking, Jesus approached them and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. There's two things I want to pull from this portion of uh, this encounter. First of all, that Jesus walks alongside of them. These disciples are what? They are discouraged. And in their discouragement, Jesus comes alongside of them. I, I think that's just so beautiful because so often when we're discouraged, when we feel joyless and hopeless, when we feel purposeless, we feel overwhelmed, you know, we, we think, well, maybe God's not going to even be here with me. But here comes Jesus walking alongside of them in their discouragement. 
Jesus walks alongside of them. And, and then the next sentence says what? But God kept them from recognizing him. Now, a couple things here. One, it's similar to, I think, when Mary Magdalene was at the tomb and her eyes are just pouring out tears, you know, and, and she turns and thinks it's the gardener and says, you know, if you know where they pit his body, please tell me. And he says, Mary. And she's like, oh, it's, it is you, Jesus. But it also sounds kind of weird. I mean, more literally, the language is not only did they not recognize him, but God kept them from recognizing him. What does that even mean? I mean, that kind of sounds crazy. It sounds like Exodus. Exodus when God hardened the Pharaoh's heart. And you think, wait a second. So if you know Pharaoh, Moses, you know, 10 plagues, why did God harden the Pharaoh's heart? I mean, that seems kind of cruel, right? I'm going to harden the Pharaoh's heart so that he won't let you go so that I can smash him like a bug. That's not what's going on. It's actually earlier in Exodus, we, we read that the Pharaoh had already hardened his heart. So God, in a certain sense, just allowed the Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. These two disciples are what? They are discouraged. And in their discouragement, they just feel hopeless. They feel at a loss. In their minds, in their minds, Jesus is what? Dead. Even though there's been some chatter about something amazing, Jesus is dead. So God just allows them to, to really kind of just be at that moment in their spiritual blindness. They don't recognize that it's Jesus. So they're walking along, having this conversation with each other back and forth, you know, about all these events. And then comes this guy and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And what are they like, dude, where have you been? Don't you know what's happened? I mean, Jesus, this prophet, you know, we thought he was the Messiah. He was going to be great and powerful. And then they arrested him. They crucified him. He's dead. And there's some people that said he's maybe risen from the dead. Makes no sense whatsoever. And then Jesus begins to, you know, teach them from Moses' teachings. From the law, as we call it, the Torah, the prophets. All of this that points to who Jesus is. And, you know, as they're hearing this, they're beginning to, you know, absorb some of this. But the problem was, in, in their discouragement, in, in, in their struggles to understand who Jesus was, is they really struggle with three, you know, key understandings or components of, of faith that I think, I think at times, you know, we also find ourselves in. I find myself in. The first is they had a low view of his person. For them, at that moment, Jesus was a what? He was a prophet. I mean, we thought he was going to be something more. He's going to be a Messiah that was going to rescue us from the Roman occupation. You know, but their understanding of who Jesus was as a person was low because Jesus was more than just a prophet. He was more than just some kind of earthly king or superhero that was going to get rid of the Roman occupiers. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in, in eternity wrapped in the frailty of human flesh. And when we have a low view of his person, we more easily are discouraged. They had a low view of his person. They also had little expectation of his power. Little expectation of, of how powerful he truly was. Again, if you have a low view of his person and you think of him as only a human being, 
only a guy who was a prophet and would, you know, save them from the Roman occupiers, then they had little expectation that he was more powerful, even though they had seen some powerful events. I mean, this was death. He died. And yet Jesus had told those followers a number of times that the Son of Man would suffer and die and rise again. And that's one reason we celebrate the resurrection, because it's not only a celebration for once a year. It's not only for a celebration for the season of Easter that we have here in the month of April and part of May. Every time we get together on Sunday morning, we celebrate the resurrection. Every time we see a baptism, remember and celebrate a baptism, we celebrate the resurrection because that power in our lives is not just for someday down the road, I get to go to heaven. That is power in our lives today. For a God who's powerfully moving in our lives, do we always understand fully how he's working in our lives? We don't. little expectation of his power. And the other is they had a lagging belief in his promise. Because again, he promised that in three days he would rise. And in our discouragement, it's easy for us to have a lagging belief in his promise. A promise that we heard even in, in the opening of our worship service in the words of Jesus about baptism I am with you always, to the very end of time. I will love you regardless of how often you have strayed, how much you have struggled with a sense of discouragement or hopelessness or purposeness or apathy. I love you. And we lag in a promise to believe. We lag in our belief in that promise of who he is and all that he has done for us and all that he gives to us. We can find ourselves discouraged. So they're walking along the road here. They've been tracking. Jesus comes along like, dude, where have you been? This is all the talk. This is no, nobody's talking about anything else but this. And then Jesus goes on and he talks to them. And then as he's talking to them, you know, uh, he's getting ready to go off and take his own path. And they do what? They like, no, 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 no. It's getting kind of late. This is partly hospitality culture. This is the hospitality culture this time. You know, come stay with us. And the language almost is like the sense like they grab their arm around. And like, no, no, you are not going down the road. You're going to be our guest. Come, 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 come. And, and they bring him in to their home. And so here they are in their discouragement, going to a place maybe of... Where you go when you're discouraged. And as Jesus has been teaching them, then he does something that just opens their eyes. He breaks bread. And when he breaks bread, their jaws must have just dropped. Because then they recognize who he is. Then they go from this discouragement to belief. The words that they'd heard about these women who saw Jesus... These words are true. He is risen. Let's read a little more portion of this text from Luke's gospel. Next two slides here. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Didn't our hearts burden within us as we talked with us on the road to explain the scriptures to us? I mean, so here they are. Now they're from like, what well, should have made sense who he was? I don't know if you've ever done that before. Ever thought, you know, 
you knew who someone was and didn't recognize them. It's like sometimes when you're a little kid and you, you lose, like, mom or dad in the midst of a bunch of legs. And you run up, you grab a leg, mommy, and you look up like, you know, it's not mom, it's somebody else, you know, or if you're an adult, sometimes it happens, and then you got to decide, you're like, are you, are you like, ha, 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 this is so funny, are you like, oh, it's okay, mommy's over there, but they finally, they recognize who he is, and then that, there's encouragement, there is belief, so two things, I think, for us as we talk about, you know, how do we deal with when we have discouragement, because we're going to have discouragement, this is not a shaking the finger at you, you are discouraged, don't be discouraged, this is, look, we all deal with, it's, we're human, even as followers of Jesus, we are still human, and we have those moments, even in the midst of our believing, that we're discouraged, that we have apathy, that we have a sense of purposelessness, ooh, that is hard to get out of my tongue. And how do we approach that? Well, I think from this text here, we learn two things. One is that we had time in the Word. I mean, they had time in the Word with Jesus really physically right there with him. But Jesus promises never to leave us, never to abandon us. Jesus promises to be with us in his Word. That's why, you know, we are encouraged to spend time in the Word. Not just so we can check some religious box, make mom or dad, you know, our spouse or whatever happy. But spending time in the Word. Spending time reading and listening and hearing God's Word. Encouraged in that Word. A God who loves us and cares for us. A God who is with us. The second is that we spend fellowship time with Him at His table. That's what we're going to do here this morning. They, were, they had time together with Him at the table. This is more than just some tradition or practice. This is and like the water and baptism. You know, it's, it's the promise of God, his promise connected to these earthly elements of bread and wine that offers forgiveness, that offers the assurance of a Savior who loves us and is with us always. Strengthen our faith. So here's the truth I think we, we discover from this you know, time walking with Jesus of these people who get to physically walk with Jesus, and we get to spiritually walk with Jesus. Paul uses this language quite a bit, of walking with Jesus. Is this, Jesus is going to continue walking with you. Even though you may not see Jesus. You know, when my daughter was young, I almost sat on Jesus, because she played tag with Jesus. He was, that was her invisible friend. I went to sit on the couch one time, she said, don't sit there! Woo! I'm like, you can sit on Jesus. Maybe that's why she became a missionary. <laughs> Jesus is going to continue walking with you. I know, like me, I'm sure there are moments where you're like, I wish you were really here. Like, I could grab a hold of your hand, Jesus, and really, really feel you. And it's hard for us sometimes to trust God to be with us always, to always love us, because, well, people in this world let us down. God never will. Jesus is going to continue walking with you. He is always with you. Even if you can't grab a hold of his hand, even if you don't almost sit on his lap, Jesus is with you. You know, here at Holy Savior, we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So one of the ways we can grow in Jesus is, you know, to spend time in that word. So here's some practical, you know, ways to talk about this. Here's a practical question for you, is what is one practical action you can take this week to be with Jesus? 
That's being in the Word. So I, I want, I think I brought up here with me, really practical. I mean, some of you use these, you know, um, the portals of prayer. And if you, if you have one, like sometimes I've done, and, and I put it somewhere, and I lose it, and I unbury it from a pile of stuff, I say, oh yeah, there it is. Because um, I use multiple devotions and stuff like that. It's okay. If you put it, you know, like some people do, you grab it because it's there, and you don't use it, I'm going to challenge you to open it up and, and, and use it. It's a short little devotion, little prayer. You can get into it a little bit more. Or you could, you know, you could, you could read some scripture. You could do one of the things you could do. You could read one, you know, chapter of, you start with the Gospel of John. You know, one chapter of the Gospel of John. And then, after you read that chapter, do a little reflecting on it. Write like a one-word summary. Just one, well, not one word, one sentence summary of, you know, how is God speaking to you through this text? Or, you know, I was reading some, you know, research recently just about, like, on memorization. And I know some of you who are longtime Lutherans are like, oh, yeah, I remember memorizing the catechism and memory verses. But there's value in that. Those, those, those tend to hang with us in our lives. And just think, if you could work on memorizing one scripture, you know, one verse every week, how many would that be in a year? Fifty-two. Say it, fifty-two. You know, I um, mean, if that's a little bit too much, you know, work on, you know, one a month. Get 12 of them now. Or, or, or take, like, a psalm. There's some beautiful psalms there. And, and work on memorizing that entire psalm. Like Psalm 130, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, o Lord, hear my voice. Or the 23rd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Spending time with him in his word and at his table. The Savior who loves you who suffered and died for you, who rose again, and who is with you always. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us. Jesus, we thank you that even though we may not be able to physically reach out and grab you, you are there. And you're especially there for us, here for us, in your word and this gift, this sacrament that we receive this morning. Lord, help us find encouragement, strengthening of our faith, through your words, and through your presence. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.